0: The date was December 2nd, 2015. That was the first Rule Breaker Investing podcast where I thought, what the heck? Let's try it. Maybe people will enjoy not just stock tips on this podcast, but business tips as well. And so, I had my friends Kara Chambers and Lee Burbage join me, and we did 10 Traits of a Great Company Culture. Now, we didn't call it Volume 1, but sure enough, that day tipped off an episodic series over the years focused on company culture. Such an important thing to me as a conscious capitalist, something we do once or twice a year, sharing out our best ideas on this podcast about how to make your workplace more successful, more fun, more capital F foolish. And hoping, of course, to hear back from you some further ways in which we might improve ours. Well, so many of us worked from home in 2020, and now so many of us may return to an office in 2021 or not. Phrases like the new normal are transitioning from suppositions bandied about to reality. Although if you're like me, you're still scratching your head about this. Hybrid offices? So I asked our dynamic duo, Kara and Lee, to join me this week to talk about Company Culture Tips Volume 8, The New Normal, only on this week's Rule Breaker Investing.
1: It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder, David Gardner.
0: And welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. Thanks for joining us this week. And yeah, it's time for some company culture tips. This is a series, as I mentioned, that we started over five years ago. And this is the eighth in that long-running series. And I told my dynamic duo, my felicitous fools, the sultans of SWAT. I told Kara Chambers and Lee Burbage that we should do this one on returning to work for 2021. A big theme, of course, for many of us in the workplace. And each of them decided to think from the point of view of either the employer or the employee. So we have five tips for employees, which a lot of us are returning back to work, whatever that looks like this year. Kara will be featuring her five good thoughts for you as an employee, and Lee will be coming at it as the employer. We have a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of small business people, and big business people listening to this podcast, and you might want to know what we're doing at The Motley Fool as an employer. I should also mention ahead of time that we are intending a virtual-first hybrid approach to work. That would be very different from the first 27 years of of the Motley Fool. So I'll be really interested to hear Lee's points of view as we return to work in slightly new form as a hybrid employer. That'll be a focus of his list of five tips. Well, I've talked too long. I want to make sure now I welcome in Kara Chambers and Lee Burbage. Kara and Lee, I called you earlier the dynamic duo, <laughs> felicitous Fools, the Sultans of SWAT, and not to baseball, of course. Welcome back to both of you. Thanks for having us.
2: I'm
1: going to update my business cards. I I
2: I don't. How do I I get business cards?
0: (laughs) Uh, Yes, business cards. Uh, uh, Part of a hybrid workplace. We'll see. Um, So it's funny. I was thinking about this series recently, Karen Lee, and we did this uh, December of 2015, the first time. And Kara, you'd been at the Motley Fool 10 years then. And Lee, you'd been at the Motley Fool 17 years back then. And now Kara and Lee, 15 and 22 years Uh, respectively, at The Motley Fool. A combined 37 full years of service at The Motley Fool. I'm just so delighted that you've both embraced what we try to get all of our employees to think, which is we're the last job you're ever going to have. And Kara and Lee, it's just a delight to have you back. Thank you for joining with me. Thank you. You know, I wanted to do a greatest hits. We're going to get to that at some point. Once you've done seven or eight or nine of these, it's fair to do the 10th as the greatest hits. What were the ten best tips for company culture that we've had? And I was expecting to do that last time, or even this time, but then COVID, and so instead to focus on extreme relevance, which is what I'm always shooting for. We had to talk last year about a Zoom-dominated work world, and this year, yes, let's talk about returning to work and uh, and the new normal. Karen, let me turn to you before we get started. You know, it occurs to me. I think we had something like 375 employees at the Motley Fool when we closed down our offices, locked them and didn't let anybody come back. And that was March 6th or 8th of 2020, as I recall. And here we are now in May of 2021. Nobody has set foot in Full HQ in 14 months. And I think we've hired about 200 people. So I'm just curious, Kara, your perspective on that growth and onboarding and how do you do what you do now?
1: Yeah, it's, um, in a way, this great experiment we've all been forced into for sad reasons, but I think it's helped us really pivot and learn to grow quickly. Um, our recruiting team has been able to kind of bring people in from different locations. Um, we've been able to um, quickly get people on a call um, and and like solve some of those logistics without travel. Um, I think everyone is kind of eager to, to see those new faces. Um And I will say that there's a slight um, fun little perk I noticed is everyone's name is at the bottom of their Zoom square. And so it actually I've realized it has solved some of the awkwardness of forgetting (laughs) people's names because they're right in front of you. (laughs) So I learned that that has been a perk with new fools every time. And so we have really um, made uh, an effort to just. Um, bring our new fools in and, and my role at The Fool does a lot of our employee surveys and it's something we very closely monitor um, and making sure our new fools feel welcome and happy um, and uh, part of our culture from day one. And, mm. and so it's been able to we're proud of that, I would say.
0: You know what's problematic is when somebody hasn't changed their spouse or partner's name on Zoom and all of a sudden you call a new employee (laughs) by the wrong name. People, we all need to know how to rename ourselves on Zoom. If you don't know that, dear listener, take an extra minute or two, look through the Zoom preferences and know how to change thy name. Let me turn now to Lee. Lee, what's life been like for you?
2: Life's been a bit of a transition, David. I would say when we started all this, I was someone who was Uh, more regularly going into the office, less likely to work from home. And so uh, I've adjusted. I had a fairly new dog when we started the process. I have two sons that were suddenly working alongside me and my wife. And so I had a different office experiment basically here at home. And I was a little rough at first, I'll say. But uh, here we are a year later or a little over a year later. And I feel like I kind of got the rhythm down. I'm I'm a lot more used to working from home and I'm sort of finding – uh, the joys in it,
0: Lee. I kind of hope you're you are going to come back to our office, though. You you haven't you weren't locked down permanently, have you? I, I want to. I w- I'd like to see you again. I don't
2: think so. I'm excited about the flexibility of having both. Now I have two offices.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both for the a little bit of taking of the temperature. Since we only hear from you every six to nine months or so, it's always great to check in. And a lot has changed, and we're going to talk about that this week. So let's get it started. So We're going to present five tips for employees and five tips for employers as we return to work in the new normal. Uh, It is kind of a threadbare phrase, by the way, but I'm using it this week because a lot of other people know kind of what that means. and It's ambiguous enough that it's hard to know what it really means. Let me turn to Kara then. Kara, you're going to be focused on employees, which is most of us trying to bring our best selves, our best new selves to the new workplace. Let's start with tip number one, Kara.
1: Sure. So, I, um, I chose this opportunity. I'm kind of a geek for reading books about how people work best and, and learning about that. And I use it kind of when I put on my coaching hat at The Fool. Um, and so, this was an opportunity to kind of pull out some greatest hits of things I've learned over the past year um, that we can all use to make our workplace better. Um, I'm going to start with one, a book I've read recently by an author named Cal Newport. Um, he wrote this book called The End of Email. And it turns out it's not really about email at all. It's about um, what he calls the hyperactive hive mind. Um, And his argument is that we work in such a way now that for the past, say, 30 years, um, you can instantly ask anyone to do work for you at your work by emailing them or slacking them. And then just in two minutes, give someone a half an hour of work and it just piles and piles in this constant. um, It was never designed like that. It kind of evolved by accident. Um, And so he talks a lot about reducing um, that hyperactive hive mind where you all have to be on and shifting to what's more asynchronous work. So things like working in a Google Doc together at different timelines, thinking about a big fan of Trello, right, Um, and other kind of options where... You're working, but you're updating each other, and then you can go in and look at that later without this constant stream of pings on your phone. Um, I'm working right now on a project with some f- people in Australia, and so we've got a Trello board, so I don't constantly wake up to like a bunch of slacks and emails. Um, to me, I thought that was really helpful about, as we're working in different time zones, and I'm talking about we all even work different hours, um, it it really helps us um, learn to work without interrupting each other all the time, and, and he says... Very few companies can set like strict rules, like no slack after 3 p.m. on Fridays or something, um, because we're all so flexible, but thinking about managing yourself and getting your work done and creating your own boundaries um, and working with other people. So I thought it was really helpful, and I was starting with that one as a framing. Probably most of us that are knowledge workers are familiar with the hyperactive hive mind um, and, and thinking about designing your work in such a way that you can kind of manage your own boundaries. So that was one. Uh, be aware of the
0: hyperactive hive mind. You know, you say a lot of people know that phrase, hyperactive hive mind, care. I have read a little bit of Cal Newport's book because you pointed me to it. And, uh, and yet I, I don't think that's a phrase that comes trippingly off the tongue, although I think it's a truism and a, an excellent reflection of his. So I think the implication is in some ways that you couldn't really turn work off as soon as email was unleashed upon the world. This new e-beast was loosed from its cage, and all of a sudden, all of us had to always think, you know, my email box is a permission for anybody in the world at any point to send me something that I have to deal with if I want to be responsive or responsible. Not everybody tries to be responsive, and I kind of respect that too. I'm somebody who has really reworked my entire life around knocking off all of my emails throughout all seven days of the week for years and years now. But I do see what you're saying, that it creates a burden. That's right.
1: Uh, And I think that that really helped me think about it is on us to learn to manage our own inflow. Um, A lot of times we get employee suggestions like, can we tell people not to slack after 6 p.m.? And I think Ah. it really helped me frame it as, let me teach you how to turn your phone off after 6 p.m. Right, or maybe for you it's 3 p.m. But as long as you're getting your job done, it should be okay. And that's kind of really felt foolish and um, true to how we work. Right, we're not going to tell you you're not allowed to slack at this hour or whatever.
0: <laughs> so it really is on it is on each of us, and I think that's really important. And Kara, I already hear you foreshadowing another of your points about how some of us are on different clocks than others, even in the same time zone. But we're going to park that for now and move our focus over to Lee Burbage. Lee, you are focused here on employers. And uh, the motley fool is one such, and we are taking a new approach. I I hope it works. If it doesn't, I'm sure we can evolve or adapt further. But you're going to be presenting more of a hybrid mindset, and for some of our listeners, they're returning to a work that's like that. It'll be a new form, and many others may not be, but might be curious what the new work looks or sounds like. So, with employer tip number one, Lee, start to inform us. What do you got?
2: Yeah and hopefully for each of these there's a little something in there for everybody regardless of where you are or where you're headed and that that relates to my first bullet. So I think what we've learned so far is Karen and I sort of went away and we're like oh we're going to figure this out and then we'll come back and present it to everybody. Uh, the way that the office is going to work. But what we realized fairly quickly is it's going to be different for everybody. And Uh, For humans, change is difficult. It takes a little time to process, to get used to the idea. And so Kara and I meeting every day and talking about it, it was getting easier for us, right? Because we were working through those stages of accepting change and processing. And we realized we weren't involving the rest of the company in that. And they needed to be sort of on that journey with us. Mm. And so it started with me saying at a company meeting, the one thing that I can promise everyone is change. So for every person, there's going to be something different. Even if you're the person who's going back to the office and trying to do things the same way that you were, it's highly likely the person that used to sit next to you is now on a different schedule or doing something different. So we know change is going to be different for everybody. So we sort of dedicated ourselves to communicating frequently about the things that we were learning, the things that we were thinking about. Trying to tell people, here's the things we know are going to change. Here's the things we're unsure about. Here's some questions we have. So uh, my number one recommendation for employers is um, don't sort of be in a back room trying to figure out how things are going to change. Um, Communicate more frequently so that all of your employees are sort of on that ride with you. Um, Again, because change is hard for people. It, it, It takes time to process and get used to things.
0: So over communicate, or at least if you're going to err, one side or the other, err on the over.
2: Yeah, and it seems it seems maybe like a, an obvious one. we say communication a lot to solve problems and work. Uh, that's a that's a common word, but uh, for us at least, we found this was a zone where we really needed to lean into it even more than what we normally did.
0: And it feels like, especially at kind of a corporate level as an employer, Lee, while you can hope that an individual manager might kind of have the light bulb go on over her head thinking, oh, yeah, I should communicate more. But it sounds like you need to bake it into your processes or into how you do what you do, not just expect or hope that individual employees will get it. Agreed. All right. Let's move back to Kara speaking to employees Kara, what is tip number two for employees in the new work world?
1: So, tip number two is from a favorite friend of the fool, Daniel Pink, who's an author. He wrote a book called When. Mm -hmm. Um, The tip is about managing your peak hours and being aware of them. Uh, His um, research says that we all kind of have natural times of the day where we're at our best and natural times where we're not. Um, The joy of having a flexible work environment is that you can kind of work your own hours. And we were kind of doing that at the fool. Um, but naturally you kind of want it to all be there at once. And again, as we're shifting to, um, working when you want, there's, there's more and more expectations you can, um, work early in the morning if that's when you work best, or late at night. Um, there's a term I, I've heard um, for working parents called the split shift, where you drop off at like 3 when the kids are getting done with school, and then all of a sudden we see them again around 8.30 or 9, all right, and working for another hour or two then and their time. So, that's not uncommon. Um, and, and his uh, research says that We all have optimal times a day when we're working best. And so um, if you have the ability to design your day, where I'm going to get to towards the end of this podcast, um, learning about yourself and figuring out when you work best is really helpful. Um, I will, if I have time, I will throw in one tip that I want to share with the world that I really loved from this book. Um, It's this concept called the Nappuccino, (laughs) which is... uh, um, He has the science of taking a good nap in the afternoon. (laughs) Is um, if you chug a cup, I've only done this when I travel, but if you chug a cup of coffee at around 2 p.m. and then take a nap for exactly 25 minutes. Um, You're going to wake up as soon as that caffeine kicks in and feel amazing. Uh, And and so I've shared that tip with every sleep deprived person I I talk to. Like a kid was up all night or something. I'm like, try this. It works. And so I will share that with the world. It was one of my favorite tips from the book, and it's a life changing tip. That's all I got.
0: Thank you. And and, uh, yeah, Dan Pink, who's been on this podcast before, talking about his book. You know, one thing I remember from that book, another side tip is that if you're going to be scheduling um, surgery, Uh, or something, let's say, a little bit more harmless, but still not great, like a colonoscopy, schedule it in the morning, not the afternoon. Now, if the whole world acts on this, then hospitals are going to be overburdened in the mornings and have no work to do in the afternoons. They might have to change their own hours. And of course, all of us are on different clocks, which I do believe is genetic for a lot of us and behavioral as well. But yeah, it turns out physicians make far fewer mistakes in the morning when they're kind of They've had their Nappuccino, but it was eight hours and coffee, uh, and the afternoon's not so good. They're not taking the Nappuccino at your local hospital, and so a tip for fools everywhere to consider scheduling morning surgery. All right, headed back to Employers Lee, tip number two. So this is
2: a David Gardner tip that I'm going to toss back Uh-oh. out. Some, yes, some some guidance that you gave Kara and I in a moment where we we laughed pretty hard once we realized how right you were. And so when when you're when you're working on a, a project like uh, reinventing the world of work. And you're sort of thinking through all of the issues and so forth. I think Kara and I found ourselves in a little bit of a dark place where we were thinking about all of the the challenges that were going to come with that. And um, I came to you and was like, David, you know, I think there's some serious um, change coming. And um, here's all the downsides. And uh, I think your exact line to me was something like, um Lee, that doesn't sound like a very fun place to work. And, and I was like, Oh my gosh, you're so right. And, and I I realized in that moment, and then after um, Kara and I and our team talked it through uh, every, every situation has pros and cons and you can sort of choose where, where you want to focus and and how you want to focus. And uh, we really shifted our mind in that moment to all the incredible benefits that were going to come with the change that was coming for us. And I know that it helped Karen mindset and our team's mindset. And and I'm excited about that for the company. And so for tip number two is uh, don't get mired in uh, the negatives or the cons or the challenges that are going to come. Look at the incredible benefits for you, for your company, for the world, even uh, in this new world of work, it could be things like, Uh, No commuting or less commuting, uh, more flexibility in the way that you work, Uh, um, you know, less travel, more travel. It it, it depends. But I I promise that if you look at the new situation, there's going to be some amazing things that you didn't have before that you have now. And um, there's some some really good, joyful energy that comes from focusing on the benefits of the new way that we'll all be working.
0: Yeah, sometimes it, it helps to pause and say, what can go right? What can go right? I'm not sure I was that succinct in that conversation you're referencing, Lee, but it's it's not just appropriate for this conversation this week, but of course, a lot of times that's the right question to ask in, in life. I think we try to learn lessons from the, our failures, and I understand Why we want to do that. And it definitely makes us feel better when we can say, well, I failed, but here's what I learned and I'm better for today. And that's an important process. But I also don't ever want to get too mired in focusing on failures and trying to learn all our lessons from that. What can go right? What is going right? And what can we build on? You know, Lee, I realize I've said we're moving into a hybrid workplace, et cetera. I have to admit, though, even as our co founder and co chairman, I'm not exactly sure what you and Kara are cooking up. So maybe just before we move on to the next point, you could just briefly describe how the motley fool will come back to work when it does somewhere around August 1st of this year. Yes, entering, re entering our offices. We used to call it full HQ. I'm not even sure we're gonna call it HQ anymore because we have multiple offices in new places and I'm not sure we would say HQ. But Lee, could you give us a little bit of a reset? Could you give my listeners an understanding of how the Motley Fool is going back to work and maybe a couple points where it is different than before?
2: Yeah, and so I think one of the one of the real positives is we're we're going to further emphasize that you are in control of how you'd like to work and giving you the flexibility to do that. So we are still going to have office space that if you choose to, you can go into with some frequency. That's really up to you. I think the big difference for us is twofold. Um, One, you are probably going to go into the office because you have a reason to go into where I think at least in our uh, working world and pre-pandemic you would stay home because you had a reason to right so i think i think those two things will will be flipped but then the second piece is a is a big challenge which i'll say um we don't necessarily have all the answers to yet but uh we're really focused on is that no matter where you are working from you can and will be successful so Our office culture was one previously, you know, the company's been around, what are we, 28 years now, I think, and was designed and built around a strong office culture. What we found was it was difficult to be the one remote person working on Zoom in Wisconsin while everybody else was in the office. And in um, Virginia, right in Virginia. Yeah. So we're choosing not to accept that. And we're saying no matter where you are, we want you to know that you can be highly successful, lead a team, take on big projects, get the promotions you want, uh, do the things that you like to do. And so that's a big challenge that that we're focused on for the new world of work. And so I think it's going to be a lot of um, uh, a lot of Zoom right? Um, A a lot of changing, maybe the way that projects work, the way we communicate. But it's going to be, we think, a much better situation for people to get ahead in the way that they want to level the playing field, if you will.
0: Okay. Thank you for sharing that, Lee. Let's move back to employees. Kara, sounds like, at least at The Motley Fool, uh, there's more autonomy Than I ever had before as an employee. Now, I'm definitely conscious that not everybody works at an internet company, at a digital workplace that can fairly easily, in some ways, transition to a hybrid model. Uh, I don't think I want my barista, a hybrid digital person, making the coffee in his or her house and driving it over to mine. I think there are a lot of workplaces that probably can't do some of the things that we're sharing. But Carrie, you're focused not on the employer, which is unique, maybe for the Motley Fool, but on employees, something that we can all do better. What's tip number three? So, tip number
1: three, uh, I've stumbled upon this term for years. It's called the Pomodoro technique, um, and it is um, a way. When I talk to people, sometimes working remotely can feel like, especially if you're you don't have the energy of an office around you, um, when you've got a big task in front of you and it's really hard to self motivate. You said autonomy. Um, there's a, a term that It was uh, invented by a management consultant called Francisco Cirillo, where pomodoro means tomato in Italian, and he took like a timer that was shaped like a tomato and set it for 25 minutes. The idea is you set your timer for 25 minutes and you focus on just one thing, and then you go take a five minute break, rinse and repeat four times, Mm. right? That knocks out about two hours worth of work without you diving into your hyperactive hive mind of um, slacks and emails or your house, right? All of a sudden you were like, I got this project to do, but there's laundry and the dog wants to go out or whatever. So Most of us, we're living in this digital world where our brains are just really easily distracted. Some people have this talent and most of us don't. So, this one helped me. Like, this weekend, I was working on my taxes. I'm like, all right, I'm setting a timer. I'm going to do this for 25 minutes and then I'm going to walk away for a minute. And so, that little technique has been really popular out in the productivity circles and and I like it. It's got a cute name. Um, But I think for... um, I've seen both sides of this. Some people are um, some days are wall to wall Zoom meetings, constant hyperactive hive mind. Some days you got a couple hours in front of you, and you're like, "How am I going to get through this big heavy project?" Right. And so that this tip is for people who um, are just having a day where they have something big to focus on. It's very hard if you're in your own home uh, working remotely to put your head down and work. Um, And it's natural. Again, when I talked about four, maybe it's just not a great time for you or something, but if you have to get something done, I've learned that forcing yourself into these little pockets of, um, I don't know why 25 and five, it's a little arbitrary, (laughs) um, but... Um, five is enough to get up and walk around. You only may talk about breaks uh, a lot um, today, but that one I thought was a fun little one that I think applies to all of us. Is, uh, you know, Work for 25, take a five-minute break, work for 20, and then all of a sudden you've cranked through like two hours of work, which you could not bring yourself to put your head down for two hours. I couldn't. Um, so that's my tip. The Pomodoro technique. Google it, my friends. Uh, it's very popular.
2: <laughs> I'm noticing that Kara tends to focus on a 25-minute block, so it sounds like she's either... Uh, doing a project for 25 minutes or taking a nap for 25 minutes after taking I could. coffee.
1: <laughs> I could. I've never done that during the day at uh, work, but yeah, I sure, could. Sure, there's some sure. science sure. you wouldn't know.
0: <laughs> well, here again, maybe Cal Newport's going to sell some books this week, the end of email being the book that you're referencing. You've mentioned a couple of times, but here again, Kara, I remember having read some of the book. He just talks about the alarming statistics when you hear them about how frequently we're distracted. It's like I'm making this number up, but it's the equivalent of the average worker today looks in a 60-minute period at their email, Slack, texts or other social media. I'm making this up 42 times in the 60 minutes whatever. It's it's just unbelievable how if you like distracted at its worst we are, at its best how connected we are, how ready we are and and and, and listening and learning. It's not not all bad, but it is quite remarkable. But since we're all on some kind of quest for self-awareness, it's remarkable to think about, admittedly, how often I find myself distracted. I think I'm lightly ADD anyway, but wow, 25 minutes of just focused time. I like that. If egg timers are like two minutes, sounds like tomato timers are like 25 minutes, and that works for me. Yeah. Uh,
1: and, and I can add a little brain science to that. It's It activates your reward system because any second of any day, something cool could come to you over Slack or email. It could be something amazing, right? Maybe it's a nice note from somebody or good news, but like 99.9% of the time it's something you have to do, right? Or, or just kind of an update. And so mm. our brains are conditioned to this random reward system of a slot machine that is your phone. Or maybe someone liked your post or, or retweeted you. But maybe it's just like a boring update. And so that's why our brains are so addicted to those phones. There's no getting rid of it.
0: Well, the Pomodoro technique, certainly something I'll be taking away from this week's podcast. Thanks. Lee, let's go back to you. Tip number three for employers.
2: So, number three is something that I think we realized pretty quickly on, but took us a minute to figure out the execution. And that is to invest in the home office. Uh, we've we budgeted uh, about five hundred dollars per person at our company to help people to outfit their home office. Uh, we don't think that this is a long term thing we're going to necessarily have to do. I, I like to think that the future world of homes will just involve uh, nice home offices or at least a corner that you have set up. It'll 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 have to be there. But again, right now we're uh, transitioning. And in that transition, what we found was more people than we realized just weren't set up to work from home and they needed a little help. And that could be a lot to ask people to, hey, you need to get yourself a desk and <laughs> a comfortable chair that you're going to sit at for eight hours. Uh, your sound, Rick can tell us about how important a uh, good headset is and uh, good volume and lighting, etc. cetera. And so uh, it was a bit of a discussion internally first. But we find it's been hugely helpful to spend a little bit of money to help people set up their home offices. They're happy. They're more productive. The meetings are better. Communication is easier, uh, et cetera. So um, don't be afraid to spend a little bit.
0: Love that point, Lee. And I want you to brag maybe just a little bit here because it wasn't just that we earmarked $500 per employee. I think some of our techies built an entire mini storefront. For all of our Motley Fool workers everywhere, where we could go in and shop for our stuff at the Fool store to make our home offices better. Is that right? I think I I think I think got that link. Uh,
2: that is mostly right, David. Uh, the, the slight tweak I would make is it wasn't necessarily um, our tech team that built it. It was um, two individuals, one with not a ton of tech background, but she was using Shopify, a Motley Fool recommendation. Wow. To, yeah, to build out our store quite easily. And so we just put in there all the recommended items that we thought people might like. You know, a lot of people don't have the time or the knowledge base to do the research on what the best headset might be, for instance. Oh, my
0: gosh. Yeah. um,
2: Yeah. So we just built a store where you go in and uh, you you know shop in the company store to get the things you need. And of course, in true full fashion, we added a few fun items in there like you could purchase a plant for your office. Um, unfortunately, the office llama uh, while it is a uh, in our store is currently unavailable for
0: shipping. <laughs> oh you know it's funny thinking about just curating and saving people time and I, I love that we did that using Shopify that we simplified it because my golly I tried to buy a friend uh, I, I knew this friend needed a new alarm clock like an actual one that you would put next to your bed because this person likes to have an alarm clock, not just let's say their Apple watch and and man, just clicking around Amazon, I found myself just overwhelmed by the amount of research I was doing to determine a good clock radio. And then having bought one, it wasn't even that good. I kind of missed the (laughs) mark on the gift, which hurt me because I spent way too much time trying to decide what the best clock radio you can get these days is. So I think all of us could use somebody else's help who's taken the time to curate things for us. Well, anyway, thank you for that, little bit of braggadocio Lee on behalf of the team and I love it wasn't even even our tech team it was at least one non techie just kind of putting together the shopify shop for fools Kara
1: I would just add to if we haven't said it already that also was a very foolish theme of trust we we um we didn't check to see how many desks you had at home or we didn't you know it was very um. it was rolled out with this concept of if you really are gonna. Buy three desks for some reason, like you know. There was a lot of that conversation. What could go wrong? What if someone buys three monitors for their kids or something? I'm like, no, we trust you, right? And I kind of just really love that part of the conversation. It felt so foolish, um, in there. So there, there's um, it's similar to a vacation policy. See, we don't track it. Right? Mm, we trust you. Great and, example. And that kind of is part of our culture.
0: Great example. All right. Well, let's move back to the employee side. Tip number four for all of us, Kara, as employees.
1: Yes. Yeah, so. I'm realizing a lot of my tips are about the same thing, which we hear a lot of is <laughs> taking breaks, but doing so mindfully. We have partnered with a company called Life Labs Learning that teaches some classes on better Zoom techniques and better working techniques. And I, they threw this term out that I liked. Um, micro, miso, macro breaks. Uh, and so micro break is what I said, that five minute walk away from your computer, stretch, whatever. You do need that. You bet. Um, and Lee's going to touch on that a little bit the the miso break in the middle of the day right like blocking your time out for lunch a walk with your dog a jog or something like figuring out those peak hours and and walking away right and and we joke like anyone can book in most companies anyone can book a meeting with you anytime right and so Again, carving that out for yourself and figuring out those rituals are really important, and they'll they're natural in the office. Um, people are starting to drift to lunch or drift to coffee, but they won't be as natural at home. If you leave, if you're left to your own devices again, you'll be in that hyperactive, hide bind loop of addiction, right? But making sure you know how to walk away. Oh, I'll also add um, a closing down ritual um, for yourself at the end of the day, making sure you know when to turn off your computer. Um, uh, I have a dog who demands at 5 p.m. that I immediately. She will physically shut the computer. Uh, so that is my <laughs> shutdown routine. I am not allowed to work after 6 p.m. Uh, it's our agreement. But for other people, you might need something a little um, less responsibility. Um, so your shutdown routine, making sure you know you go cook dinner at 6 p.m. or, or whatever it is, um, and then the macro break, like your full day, your long vacation, your ability to kind of. Um, Take off and unplug, right? Those are all good for you, and I think just making sure each person has the right mix of each. Um, and we've learned a lot about the importance of um, not hunched over your laptop, staring at Zoom all day, right? Um, uh, we we haven't done this in a long time, but like calling someone on the phone, mm. right? It's so much more natural. You can be outside. You can walk your dog. There's a lot of dogs in this story. Um, that's a more natural We've been doing that for 100 years. You don't have to do the weird eye contact. It's like, Can you see me? Can you, right? And so when you just have to catch up with somebody, right, that, that, um, your, uh, a, a voice conversation also works. So taking, figuring out where you need your mindful breaks, um, is, is really just so important.
0: Um, so I like that terminology. And, and that okay. applies to whether it's in your home or in your office if you have a workplace. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of people, are going to. I am conscious that we're having this conversation in May of 2021 where I think a lot of us are still probably doing more at home, but as things open up more in the summer and the fall, this might even start to feel a little dated because I think a lot of people are headed back to physical workplaces. and I would say a lot of them are looking forward to it. I can think of younger parents who really have appreciated having a degree of remove from constantly babysitting, let's say, or overseeing the kids. The kids were at home doing school from home, but schools are going to happen again. So I do think a lot of our minds are probably still locked down in some ways we can't fully appreciate. But your tips, Kara, are working for us regardless of whether we are working at a Starbucks as a barista or as a techie at The Motley Fool.
2: I I do think, David, that I really believe regardless of where you are or what type of job you're doing, there is going to be some change. I was at a restaurant recently and I was noticing how big their delivery and takeout section was. Mm. And I was thinking there's a whole new job or two jobs there just managing the delivery and takeout window for a restaurant that didn't normally do that. Um, I think hours that people are open, um, outdoor seating. Um, just the the amount of delivery that's happening to people people's homes just i think no you know, I, I just can't help to think that there's a lot of change for everybody regardless of where you work
0: certainly one of my favorite kind of gourmet delicatessens in wilmington north carolina literally rebuilt the whole place because they used to have in house seating and you could you could try a wine and just sort of sit there and there were other people around and they, they reworked everything so that they're basically a big kitchen making food for people and delivering it. And that is a permanent change. Now, nothing is really forever, so they probably could flip it back, but they invested significant resources for their small business to, to change. And that, that's not going to be undone anytime soon, if ever. So there's no question, Lee, the only constant is change. And I hope we're hitting both sides of the spectrum here with our conversation this week. All right, Lee. Well, speaking on behalf of the employer, what's tip number four?
2: Okay, so this one could be a little uniquely Motley Fool, but it was an important shift for us, and so maybe there's something that listeners can learn from it. Um, we are traditionally an anonymous survey company. So, you know, I think as we've talked before about on this podcast, we do an engagement survey at least a couple times a year. Yeah. Uh, we, we felt strongly about um, giving people anonymity to really speak their minds and tell us what they think. And uh, an important shift for us during this time period was to go the other way and to do non-anonymous surveying so that we could really understand what individuals were going through. Um, I think we realized early on that there's no one answer for everybody. Everyone has been experiencing this pandemic and this change differently. And uh, there's so many factors about where you live, how big your um, apartment or home is, how many people are living with you, who they are, uh, what your job is, that we really needed to understand the individual. And one thing that is certainly a topic in the world, and we've seen it at The Motley Fool, just checking in on people's well-being. And so having a name next to that survey and understanding um, what you're going through, how you're processing these things, and how we can help has been really important to us. So um, going non-anonymous to really understand the individual, um, that was a big shift for us this year and and an important one.
0: And we do survey frequently. And Kara Chambers, you know that because that's a big part of of your focus and your work at The Fool. And I've always taken a lot of pride in that because um, I don't like to respond to surveys. Uh, Who does, really? I'll often opt out and not do that unless I have confidence that what I'm sharing in my precious time with whoever's surveying me will be heard and acted upon. And and that's something that I think we do really well at our company, and I hope others do well at their companies. If you're going to ask people, then you need to show that you took in what they said, you heard, and you prioritized learnings and turned them into improvements.
2: So many easy wins in this one too, David. With non-anonymous, and I have your name, and all of a sudden I realize that like the one thing that's holding Rick back in life is uh, having a better desk lamp, and I can get one delivered to him for you know nineteen dollars, and it makes his day. There, there's some some great places where the where companies can be a hero by doing just really small things that may come up in a survey.
0: Mm. You know, you have invoked the name Rick Engdahl a couple of times this podcast. Rick, just to welcome you in briefly to the conversation, I didn't know you needed a new desk lamp. I, I didn't know I needed one either, now that you mention it. <laughs> You're headed to the fool store, uh, apparently 19 You know, Lee, I also need a new guitar, and I don't see that on the full store. It, can, you, can you take care of that for me?
2: Yes, we have, we have a huge selection of cigar box guitars that I've made myself that you can choose from. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, let's move now to the final tip for both employees and employers. We'll of course go back to Kara now. Kara, balls in your hands. Tip number five for all of us as employees in the new work world. Yes, I am going to go with number
1: five. Is a um, a recent read I did by uh, called "Make Time." Jake Knapp and John Zaroski from Google Ventures. The tip is set your daily highlight. Um, and basically, this is pretty common, but the idea is every day or maybe the night before, you just write down one thing that you're going to do that you're going to feel great that you accomplished by the end of the day um, and whatever that highlight is. And it could be work. It could be I am going to cook a nice meal for my family. I'm going to get that jog in. Um, but setting one every day and their advice suggests that at the end of the day, check if you did it and then give yourself a little score of one to ten on how you were doing with all the things you tried, I, again, I've laid out a couple of little examples. Most of them have to do with dogs or coffee, some of my favorite things <laughs> and taking <drinking laughs> breaks. But like, you know, if you said, oh, you know, I I, um, I decided not to drink coffee today and I feel better, right? Tracking those things. And, and so all the little tips that are out there, I tried a Pomodoro timer or a nap or something. Uh, did that work, right? And, and so checking against setting your daily highlight every day was a really great tip from them of saying, I got... Again, when you're working remotely, you have all this time um, and you got your own schedule to make and it can be overwhelming for people. So really being intentional about what has worked for you or again, down the road, I went to the office today. It was great. Um, I built some social connection. I feel really energized by being around people at least once a week or something like that. Um, that's a, a good example of saying this really worked for me or it was too distracting at the office. I'd rather be at home. Um, and And so I think... Helping everyone be learn from all the things. We're all a little different, right? And so, for we all had to figure out when we work best. Um, if you told me to do a spreadsheet at nine o'clock at night, I'd say absolutely not. I will see you at six a.m., right? And so, um, that's kind of how everybody's a little different. So, learning about yourself and how you work, uh, so you can embrace this kind of flexibility that's out there, has been really helpful. So. The book is called Make Time.
0: <laughs> yep. And I, I read it and enjoyed that one as well. Kara, it, it it strikes me that you recommend books and I read them. So I've read a lot so of the great. books that you're talking about because you told me to read them and I enjoyed them. And and I did as well. And you know, another book we haven't referenced, but how could I not mention James Clear, his book Atomic Habits. James mm-hmm. Clear appeared on this podcast last year in an hour long interview. I had a lot of fun with that. But you know, James says we should inventory our habits, like just for a given day, make it tomorrow or make it today, dear fool, whoever you are, wherever you are, try to be observant of what habits you are exhibiting throughout the course of your day from what the first thing you do when you wake up. Is it a typical thing that you do and redo every morning and shut down at night and everything in between and becoming self-conscious about that allows you to maybe pull one of those out and modularly stick something else in and try it and maybe become a better use. So being aware of those habits as we make time and then tweaking it sometimes and seeing what we can learn, such a good habit to get into. So Atomic Habits, James Clear, certainly plugging as well. You know, it does occur to me that I have, I'm going to have two challenging questions for you both. Uh, to close the conversation. Uh, Two things that keep coming to my mind when I think about young people on the one hand, we're going to talk about younger people. There's a difference between uh, not having a physical office when you're 22 versus when you're 42. So I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about asynchronous work, which sounds great, and yet maybe it's not as efficient. So I'm going to want to share that and challenge you both in a sec. But let's first go to Lee's employer tip number five.
2: Well, I've been a little jealous throughout this uh, podcast, David, because Carol's gotten to talk about all the breaks and naps that she's taking. And so I I thought that I I could talk about um, a culture shift that I believe the three of us really uh, masterminded and, and noodled to come up with. And it is called the Foolish Five. And the Foolish Five is every meeting at the Motley Fool, starts five minutes after the hour or half hour now it's a strong statement to say every meeting but that's the cultural change that we're looking for and so what karen i find is when we introduce new ideas into our culture it can take about a year to really take hold we try not to force people to do anything but instead sort of present an idea talk about the benefits people start to enjoy it it catches on and so that foolish five gives people um a Small micro break uh, to Kara's earlier point between meetings to take notes or process what you've decided from the previous meeting, for instance, which, David, I know you like to do um, or go get another cup of coffee or go to the restroom or just close your eyes for a second and take a break. And in this world, uh, at least in my life, and I know Kara's as well, we're often in Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting for a very long day. And so creating this little tiny gap has been super powerful for me and I know others at the company. So just start meetings five minutes after the hour or half hour to give yourself that small window to kind of get yourself together. But this was a this was an idea that I know was baked between the three of us. So I'd love to hear from you, David and Kara, what you, what you think of the Foolish Five and how you've implemented it in your life.
0: Well, I think that you are overcrediting me. That in this case, Lee, I think one thing I've said is that I like to have five minutes in a half hour to process. I think I have a Pomodoro technique timer going on in my life anyway. I do think it's helpful to make every thirty minute meeting twenty five. I will admit though. I do kind of prefer to start on time. There's a little bit of a military background that is part of my life, even though I never served uh, through any of our nation's armed forces. I, I know people like this, and and it's hard for me to adjust to this notion of being five minutes late because I've always heard stuff like, there's no such thing as on time. You're either early or you're late. So I will just say that the full five is something I'm still navigating through a little bit myself, but I, I, I enjoy the spirit of it. I also love our spirit of Invention and trying things and seeing how they do. So that's for my own part. Kara, uh, is the full five a natural for you?
1: It is. And again, it kind of stems from some of the research I did. Um, And especially for a lot of people, I know Lee and I have jobs like this where it's constant context switching. And so mentally, you're in a one-head space and then all of a sudden you're in another, right? And and so being present for that person that you're next going to talk to, right? If I'm like, I think, like, right after this podcast, if I had to go talk to an employee that was struggling, right, like, five minutes would probably help me be more present for them. Uh, I think so. To me, it's about being showing up for people. And and, um, all the research I've done says that fast context switching is just bad for your brain. And so, the more we can kind of space it out, the better. So, I I like it. Um, I'm grateful.
0: And speaking of context switching, I think it's a great thing to do at close here of these points, Kara and Lee. I, I admittedly have been bouncing back and forth every point, and so I was asking our listeners to switch contexts constantly. I think it would be helpful for you each to summarize succinctly the five points that you presented, and we'll just keep it to each of you individually. So, Kara, I'd like to turn to you first. Would you summarize, for those who like to keep lists, short lists, the five points that you just gave us for employees?
1: Sure, and And I would say there's a common theme here of um, I'll, I'll link back to Lee's point of there are wonderful benefits um, and embrace those wonderful benefits of having the flexibility of working remotely. Um, with that autonomy and freedom, you can you can embrace that. And so our five tips are for the remote or hybrid or even office worker. Um, number one, be mindful of that hyperactive hive mind. To create your own boundaries in there. Uh, number two, figure out your peak hours. Understand how you and the time of day you are working best. Number three, Pomodoro technique, which is intentional focus time and intentional breaks. Number four is a tie in number three, micro, Miso, macro breaks. How often are you kind of stepping away from the constant stream of um, of, of um, screens coming at you? Um, and then finally, number five is identifying your daily highlight, figuring out what you what is the one thing you want to accomplish that day. And so, all five of mine are about managing that inflow of work coming at you and being intentional about that and in a way when you have a lot of freedom and autonomy um, and and help you work at your best.
0: Thank you for that, Kara. And I appreciate how these points really do work for anybody, whether they are in a physical office world or a virtual office world or something that combines both. Lee, let's now summarize your five tips for employers. Thanks, David. Yeah,
2: so number one was more frequent communication to support the process of change that everybody is going to, going through. Number two, focusing on the benefits, the pros, the amazing things that are coming out of this new world of work. Number three, don't be afraid to invest in your employees home offices. Even a small amount of money can uh, help to improve their working situation. Mm. Number four, Non-anonymous surveying. Non-anonymous really allows you to dig in and understand individual needs and address them and be a hero. And last but not least, number five, our foolish five. And that's creating small spaces in your culture. In our case, a five-minute window for people to process, to um, shift and get ready for the next thing.
0: Thank you. And I know a lot of our employees love the Fool 5, and very understandably, because of context switching, one of our themes here toward the end. Well, speaking of the end, we're not quite there yet, because I have two challenging questions. I'm going to be pushback guy here. Two challenging questions. I really would love to hear both of your viewpoints on these. So let's just open it up for a a group conversation. Question number one. Question number one is going to be from someone who's 22. So, this person is not 42. They've not been at their office for 10 or more years and know everybody. And even though they had to go virtual, they have lots of good times to remember where they were face-to-face. This is somebody who just graduated a year or two ago. This might be their first job. And especially for this person, I could imagine they really would appreciate a physical office environment. If your company's trying to go virtual first, this person could be hurt by that because, Well, two reasons. First of all, they have no real social capital or trust that they've built up with anybody thus far. So how did they get started with that? Are they disadvantaged versus a 27-year-old who may be less capable, but worked at that office for five years and so has built up social capital to make them very competitive and a very effective employee? And also a second component, I'm certainly aware that some people eventually meet their spouse, partner, life mate through their workplace. That certainly has happened at The Motley Fool before. And so I think it might be a lot easier to bump into somebody at an actual water cooler at work than a virtual one. So what about the 22-year-olds, Lee and Kara?
2: Well, again, I think I'm, I've emphasized change. So things are are going to be different. Um, I'm actually pretty hopeful about our younger employees because they've grown up in a digital world. Uh, when I look at my teenage boys, they are meeting people, uh, not necessarily <laughs> on Zoom, but they're texting, they're on, uh, you know, on Instagram, Snapchat, what have you. So um, I, I think people are out there in the world meeting each other digitally all the time. Um, mm. My advice to employees in this zone might be, you have to be a little more proactive in a digital world is what I see. So whether like in our office, we're a Slack culture, join some Slack channels you might not normally join, get involved in some of the online activities, maybe you wouldn't. So you could bump into each other at the water cooler, I think um, more randomly than maybe you would in the digital world. So um, I think my feedback would be um, the opportunities are there, but you may have to be a little more proactive in putting yourself into those situations.
1: That was a great answer. I think I would say being intentional about connecting with others. Right? For some people, if your job is to um, program software, you could have a job where you just put your head down and never spoke to any humans. Right? That 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 is bad for you in life. And and so knowing that no matter how introverted you are, like building human connection um, online through through your colleagues, creating that banders is important.
0: Well said. All right. Let me move to pushback question number two. This one is about asynchronous work and efficiency. So, I'm going to use a a rowboat analogy. I like rowboat analogies. Anybody who's heard me rock the Jack Bogle rowboat syndrome before knows that I like rowboat analogies. So, I'm going to repurpose rowboats once again in a new context this time. So, sometimes I worry slash wonder whether asynchronous is going to be as promising and effective. Remember, capitalism, in its best sense, is competitive. And whether asynchronous is going to win the competition out there uh, when you're competing with other companies trying to do the same thing that you are. So here's my worry and my rowboat analogy. I feel like sometimes we're thinking that we're all in a rowboat together, we're paddling toward our corporate purpose, and we're trying to get there as fast as we can. And there might be others racing us toward that purpose. And so we're racing. And sometimes I wonder, are we saying now, by the way, you can be in the boat or not in the boat at any point. And whenever you are in the boat, if you don't want to paddle, you don't have to. You do need to paddle, but you can paddle on your own time. And based on my observations of crew shells over the course of time, I once spent one summer camp rowing, and I really didn't like it. I find it exhausting, but uh, but I still admire it. You know, the, the fastest moving shells are ones where everybody's in the boat together rowing at the same time, and they move fast. And I feel as if sometimes you're saying, that doesn't matter anymore. You can actually just row whenever you like. I'll row during the nighttime, you row during the daytime, and sure, we're going to get to that island faster than anybody else, or maybe even faster than ever before. So I'm wondering aloud, Kara and Lee, whether this works.
2: Well, I think you need to maybe think about what sport that you're playing. So uh, rowing is very intentionally, we're all here at the same time doing the same thing in the same way. I think if you're playing that sport, could be some opportunity for some automation for some of those rowers, mm. um, some something technical there. Uh, but maybe you're playing basketball and you've got all kinds of different people with all kinds of different skills that are doing um, different things. So, you know, if you're like, I think I've heard Coach K say before that he has a different team every year. And so he has to actually adjust the way that he coaches depending on. Who likes to come off the bench, who wants to start, who's tall, short, shooter, that sort of thing. Um, so, so like thinking about what sport you want to play and then kind of relating it back to your previous um, question, you know, I, my wife has a Peloton, but I'm aware that there's also a Peloton like device, I believe, for rowing where you can log in when you want to. Sometimes you're part of a live class, you're all doing it at the same time. Sometimes you're watching a recording in the middle of the night, but you're still recording all your stats. So maybe there's just some new version of rowing that we're all gonna be doing that um, takes advantage of this digital world and allows us to do it sometimes at home and sometimes out in the water. I don't know, just thinking aloud, what do you think, Kara?
1: I I was going with relay race in my mind of of kind of just that handoff. Um, and no company I is like, there isn't a really important social connection no matter what. And we are in a pandemic where we can't actually like see each other. But I think that, that, you know, uh, we are trying to think down the road of this flexibility, but there's always some social connection that you need. Um, you do have to invest more time in, building rapport with people that you don't know. Um, and I was thinking of something building humanity. I I will give a bonus tip here. We did this the other day on our team. Every single person who joins the call, they greeted the next person by name when they appeared. So when Rick joins the call, I say hi Rick. And when Lee joins the call, Rick says hi Lee. And just like building like a group of twenty people that little hum- bits of humanity. I think no meetings and just in Slack and on um, No connection, I feel like you're right. That wouldn't work. Like it will, um, but building in more opportunities for social connection, whether it's virtual, which we're in right now, but in person, I don't think any company has ever done fully remote asynchronous without any social connection. I think that's important.
0: Well said. And I love, I mean, admittedly, pick a sport and you can invent your analogy. So rowing may not even be what work is. Maybe it never was. Certainly, the sport of rowing is rowing, and I think that is how to win. But is that business? That's a really great question. Maybe it's much more like basketball or more automated. Well, I want to thank you, Kara and Lee, once again for being with me here for Company Culture Tips Volume 8, The New Normal. And I think you both should come back in about six months, and we're going to do the greatest hits culture tips, uh, finally, because I think we deserve that. But I really do feel like we had to speak to a Zoom-driven world last year. And I sure do feel like we need to talk about returning to work this year. And I wouldn't want to do that with any two other people. Kara, Lee, thank you.
2: So much fun. Thanks for having us.
0: I love doing this. Thanks. You know, I feel like we were giving some Zoom tips along the way this week. Yes, do know how to rename your yourself on Zoom. I will mention a best practice that I've seen work pretty well um, at end here. And that is, as you end meetings, I learned this from my friend, Rand Stegen, who I know through Conscious Capitalism Circles, the founder of Stegen Corporation. But Rand has us at the end of every meeting, not just going by and like awkwardly clicking off of Zoom, but doing one of two things. Either everybody at the same time at the end says goodbye to three or four people, like, bye, Rick, bye, Kara, bye, Lee. Or you just have everybody cheer. But the one thing you don't do is have, have this quiet, awkward, I don't know when to hit leave meeting. I, I need to do it just before that person. It's going to feel awkward. So you just kind of have some ritual to end things that's positive and becomes habitual. So there's another Zoom best practice idea. While the winds of May continue to blow over this month and change is coming, I will have a special podcast next week. In the meantime, let me thank Karen Lee again for a special podcast